It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Raising kids is not for the faint of heart. Those cute babies grow up to test the limits, and they can make us wonder what we're doing wrong. Joining us today to talk about what happens when kids take over is Sean Grover, a psychotherapist with 25 years of experience working with adults and children. He's the author of the book, When Kids Call the Shots, How to Seize Control from Your Darling Bully and Enjoy Being a Parent Again. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. So, Sean... Those adorable little babies, they grow up, and often when they do, they can become demanding and bossy, often taking control of the household. Why do you believe this happens? Well, this is uh, it's sort of nature's collision course. You know, as a child becomes more independent and developing a sense of themselves, they want to do things on their own. They want to, if they learn to walk, they want to run. If they learn to... Uh, use a pen or pencil. They don't want your help. They're constantly pushing you away. Uh, and this, this is a built-in um, dynamic between parents and children. Parents are in the unfortunate position of saying no a lot to protect their kids because the child doesn't know if something's dangerous, she, he or she can get hurt. And so this is the essence of a conflict that goes gone on forever, where a child wants something, the parent has to say no to protect them. And that is the, the sort of the core conflict that generates a lot of tension. And how you manage it really predicts the outcome. So, Sean, it sounds like it's a natural learning process and something that we want to have happen. But when does it turn into a negative experience? What happens that causes a parent to lose control? Well, I would say if a child is uh, demanding something, a lot of parents, you know, I just did a parenting workshop at a school uh, this week, and I looked out at all, it's an elementary school, I looked out at the parents, and every single one of them looked absolutely exhausted. Mm-hmm. They looked drained, they looked like they just could take a nap at any minute. So when a parent gets very fatigued, and a child becomes more and more demanding, there's more of a surrendering to the child's wishes, just to, to buy some peace. So, but, but when a parent starts to surrender their leadership and cave to a child's demands, particularly if the child is being bullying or aggressive, uh, then they're reinforcing that aggression. That if you're aggression, if, if you're aggressive with me, you'll get what you want. So that is the tipping point in terms of dysfunction. When the parent really, because of exhaustion or life or circumstances, begins to reward the child's bad behavior by giving them what they're, they want at that moment. And the child learns very quickly what behaviors to implement to get what he or she wants. That's right. There's always a testing period. In healthy child development, children go through these testing periods where they want to have more control. They want to uh, have more freedom. They want to have more independence. So they're testing the parent. How far can I push you? And the parent's job because child, children aren't born with 
natural limits and boundaries is to set boundaries, to set limits, to provide structure. So, and that, that all falls under the heading of leadership. And the most difficult part, I raised two sons, and, and doing everything that you said, the most difficult part is not caving in, because once you say there's going to be a consequence, the first time you don't follow through, then your words become meaningless. That's right. That's right. And they, they don't take you seriously. And I've seen lots of situations in my office between parents and children. They'll come in for a consultation, and I'm absolutely shocked at how disrespectful uh, the child is to the parent, how they talk down to them, how they raise their voice, or they curse at them. And the first thing I think is, how long has this been going on? Unfortunately, it started very early, and it was never addressed. So a child doesn't mature just because they're aging. They mature because they learn how to manage their own feelings, their own frustrations, and communicate. When the, the, the child is just rewarded, it sort of puts a wrench in that whole process so they may age, but their behaviors are very immature. Do you think a lot of the times we have issues because parents, they want their kids to like them. It's like they need their approval. They want to be their friend. I remember growing up, my parents could care less if I liked them. They didn't want to be my friend at all. Do you think that that's something that's causing a problem today? Well, I think parents are really working very hard uh, to come up with some sort of new parenting model. So uh, most of the time when I go out into talks, I'll ask, whose parents here went to a parenting workshop? Oh, no hands ever go up. Whose parents here read parenting books, more than one or two? No hands go up. So in an effort to sort of undo maybe a dictatorial or punishing parenting that we may have experienced, parents tilt the other way and start start to be more friends than parents. And that, that's a situation where the child begins to exploit that. Uh, if you want your child to like you, you have to deal with that on your own. As some part of your history you're replaying. But if you act on it, if you're trying to buy affection from your child by rewarding them, the child's going to sense that they can exploit that. So you're absolutely right. If you're your goal is to get your child to like you, we're already starting on the wrong footing. Sean, you say that to fix a rebellious child, a parent needs to begin by fixing him or herself. And I think that's the opposite of what we do. We always look to the child to see what's wrong with him or her and don't usually look to what it is we're doing. Well, this was a big debate when I was writing the book um, with the publisher because uh, I really wanted to write a manual for parents to work on themselves, uh, to prepare themselves for parenthood by going through their history and, and reviewing how they were parenting and thinking consciously about the kind of child they want to raise and the kind of culture they want to establish in their household is sort of this preventative measures and preparing for childhood, uh, for parenthood. The publisher came back and told me no one is going to buy that book because parents want to blame their children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't want to work on right. themselves. We want to blame everybody uh, else for anything. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So the book, they changed the title and, and spun it differently, but it's still in there. I, I really want, before we even talk about the child, we got to talk about your interior world. That means how do you manage your feelings? What are the triggers that get you into trouble with your kids? What's the vision you have? Or what kind of culture do you have around technology? What kind of structures are you providing? And if we look at your own childhood, are you repeating what your parents did, 
Or maybe you're defying what your parents did by going the other way. These are all the questions that we want to really explore before we even talk about how they parent. Because it's ultimately a parent's behavior and their choices are the cause and the child's behavior is the effect. So often parents will come in for a consultation and once I get a sense of what's going on, I may say, I don't need to meet your child. We're going to work on you. And things turn around very quickly when a parent really takes responsibility for their choices and their behavior. It starts to act with self-mastery and a little more mindfulness. You know, if you have a parent that's yelling or criticizing and shaming and blaming, you're going to have a very defiant, angry child. So we have to figure out how to parent, you know, in a way that, that elicits cooperation rather than defiance. So, Sean, a parent does a self-assessment and he or she gets a little bit of an understanding of the parenting style. What is something that that person can do right now that will make a difference tomorrow in that child? Well, first, we want to look at like their, you know, what what their parenting style is. The ones that I, I outline in the book that cause the most difficulty is a guilty parent, which is a parent where something's gone wrong. Maybe there's a divorce. Maybe there's an illness. Maybe there's uh, learning problems or financial problems, so they feel guilty. So they're always trying to make it up to the child by overindulging or over-rewarding. Uh, there's the anxious parent who's just an anxious person. They just uh, infect their child with anxiety because they're worrying all the time, which translates to the child like, you don't believe in me, you don't trust me. And then the fix-everything parent is pretty impatient. They're really not interested in understanding. They just want things to be fixed and move on, which really, that's a form of neglect for a child. It's just not about knowing them. It's about correcting them. So once you identify your parenting style, like where you fall in, or maybe you're somewhere in between, then we can take a look at exactly what to do in your home. Sean, you just mentioned an interesting point. You you brought up divorce. And with so many families having two households, what happens to the child when each of those parents have differing styles and, and that child is going back and forth between those two environments? Yeah, I see this an awful lot. Uh, it really depends on the parent. If, uh, it, often I get a lot of complaints that one parent uh, does all the unpopular tasks, homework, schoolwork, you know, getting them up in the morning, getting them out, and the other parent is the fun parent takes them to the movies, takes them to sporting events, and so forth. When you have that imbalance in the parenting, you, you're going to have a child really in conflict. Uh, their loyalties are going to be split and so forth. So first thing, if the parents are in the house together or in separate households, you will always want ideally united parenting. That means they sit down and discuss the decisions they make, the structures they provide, the bedtimes, and try to make them as consistent as possible. That said, uh, there are a lot of parents that can't do that after divorce. Mm -hmm. So I always encourage parents that you have your rules for your household and your partner has his or her rules for her household and you just focus on what you can do and where you can do it. If your ex is a narcissist, uh, unfortunately, you can't really co-parent with a narcissist. They will always... uh, be driven by what's in their interest, not what's in the interest of the child. And I've certainly spent session after session with parents who were narcissists 
uh, in the worst sense. And when they walk out of their office, they do what out of my office, they do whatever they want. So mm-hmm. The feeling of it's just complete defeat. So I always encourage people, look, if that's your situation, co-parenting is not going to work. Just focus on what you can do. And you say, those are dad's rules for dad's house. That's a different situation. But not to get caught up in the drama, he said, she said, or criticizing the other parent. That's really fertile ground for uh, really creating a lot of internal stress on your child. The book is When Kids Call the Shots, How to Seize Control from Your Darling Bully and Enjoy Being a Parent Again. If you'd like to get more information about Sean and his work, you can visit seangrover.com. And as always, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, follow us on social media, and be sure to subscribe to our mailing list. Sean, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? There's always hope. If you take responsibility for your behavior, if you make new choices, you will get new outcomes. And too many parents try to go it alone. And parenting is a very, very lonely job. Uh, so there's a whole school out there of people you can turn to, you know, therapists or counselors at the school or friends or uh, parenting groups. Uh, don't try to, if you're suffering, don't hide it. Engage, get help. And when those, when you start making new choices, it, there'll be a period of disruption or imbalance, but very quickly the child's anxiety goes down because they really, children thrive under strong leadership. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.